The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jer McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JerMcCarthy74. On this week's show, we hear from Cork Camogie Intermediate Manager Trevor Coleman, who previews his side's Munster Championship final with Kerry in Ennis on Sunday and looks ahead to this year's All-Ireland Intermediate Championship. We recap how the Cork LGFA Under-14s qualified for this year's Under-14 Platinum Series semi-final and get all the aftermatch reaction from the Cork Seniors Munster LGFA Championship win over Waterford in Clonakilty. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to discuss all the latest Formula 1 off-track headlines and preview this weekend's Imola Grand Prix. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back with another action-packed segment. And finally, Munster Women's Hockey Piero Graham Catchpole has all the news from the Munster Women's Hockey End of Season Awards. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport Podcast. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off-track Formula One headlines around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula One analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah McKenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, MacTweets underscore. Heading towards the Imola GP uh, and the preview of the next Formula One Grand Prix on this uh, fantastic and very intriguing season. We're joined as ever by our resident Red FM Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, here on the Big Red Bench. Sarah, how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, happy to be chatting F1 as always. Indeed, uh, a quiet weekend, but uh, now we're heading into a pretty busy period of the actual F1 season, a very, very important race as well for a lot of the uh, manufacturers and for the for the teams. And uh, Imola obviously has uh, evokes a lot of memories for a lot of um, ageing Formula 1 fans like myself. But I suppose the big word coming into this is upgrades, and uh, you have some information on that and what that might entail ahead of uh, what should be an exciting weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the majority of teams really at this point are bringing some kind of upgrade at least. Uh, Red Bull obviously do not need to, so I suppose they're kind of the the main exception really. But, you know, Mercedes for sure are really have been kind of betting on these upgrades. Um, they did put out some messaging over the last week or so pretty heavily emphasizing that the changes are the start of a journey. I think they're trying to manage fans' expectations because... Things have been so up and down, really. So, you know, the we already knew they had abandoned the zero side pod concept, so that's gone. Apparently, we're going to see something very different at Imola. Um, and, you know, Toto Wolf didn't give too much away, but he did confirm that there's going to be new uh, bodywork floor and front suspension. So it is, it's a pretty big overhaul, to be fair, for the Mercedes in particular. And it's kind of a sliding scale, really, from there. You know, Ferrari are also bringing... Um, they're kind of trying to get up as close to the aerodynamics of the Red Bull car as they can. New floor, rear suspension system. Um, I think, you know, Aston Martin, again, bringing a little bit, not a huge amount, but they've been going well. So I think that's that's okay. And they've actually said they're going to switch to the design of their new, their 2024 car by the end of May, which is kind of setting out their stall for next year as well. Um, and then you have other teams like, you know, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Terry bringing in some upgrades as well. I think possibly the biggest concern as far as teams that are not bringing upgrades is probably McLaren. 
um, you know, they've they've kind of struggled quite badly lately and they've confirmed that their Imola upgrades are going to be very minor and they're actually not going to get major upgrades until they're targeting kind of between the Canadian and the British Grand Prix. So that's much later on into the summer. So I think, you know, a little bit longer to endure, unfortunately, for McLaren fans in particular. Um, pardon the pun, but there's a lot to unpack there. And I suppose uh, from your, your detailed analysis, uh, brilliant as ever, the one that would worry me as a, an F1 fan is McLaren because, okay, yeah. I, you might have your reasons for not doing it now, but are you, I think the, the, the immediate reaction is, are you throwing 2023 under the bus and just saying, look, we're going to go all in for 2024 because that's fine, but not necessarily fine for investors to be hearing. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I mean, they have said before they're sort of aiming for, they, they call them results, which is, again, very vague, um, you know, kind of 2024, 25. So I think it probably is for them a rebuild journey. But I think, unfortunately, for fans of the team, that rebuild has been going on for quite a while. And I think, you know, when... Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz were both in the team. I think a lot of fans would have felt like maybe this is our time. But then Sainz left and the car development just went downhill in tandem with that. And then Daniel Ricciardo came in, obviously wasn't performing. So I think, unfortunately, the rebuild is taking a lot longer than they would like. And I don't have... I mean, I would love to see them competing again because I think they're a really exciting team and they have a really cool young driver lineup but I just worry that it's sort of it's always future promises and it's not really delivering in the present and I think you're right it's definitely a concern Last point on this does the fact that an Adrian Newey design car is so far ahead of the pack bar maybe Aston Martin and a proper driven Ferrari that teams might be reassessing what to do for 2024, that if we've got all these upgrades, what's the point right now? Because it looks like it's between Max and, and no, we don't know. I mean, we're, I'm speculating here, but considering how powerful and how reliable and how quick that Red Bull car is in all conditions, um, if I'm a, a, a team looking to make headway or to make inroads against that, would it not be best to start building for 2024 and just kind of hiding that fact as best as I possibly could by restricting the upgrades? Or should I go all in now? Like the likes of Ferrari and the likes of Aston Martin, now is the time. The time is hot because Mercedes are struggling. McLaren don't, are nowhere near what they should be. This is our opportunity to come in and slip in there in second. I don't know. It's just, I think my own point is if the Red Bull wasn't as powerful and as far ahead as it is, am I wrong and say, am I right in saying this might be dictating, you know, decisions being made in boardrooms elsewhere? I think it it depends on the team, to be honest, because I think when a particular team goes out in front on their own like that, to that degree, I think all the others sort of end up fighting their own little mini battles. So, you know, you'll have like your, I think Aston Martin would probably put themselves a little bit above the Ferrari and the Mercedes, but I think definitely those two are kind of bound together. So they're really thinking about, okay, Yes, I'm trying to get up to the level of performance of the Red Bull, but realistically, how you know how many wins can we get? How many points can we get versus our closest rival? So I think it becomes a closest rival thing as opposed to, you know, trying to catch up to the Red Bull, which is I suppose the aspirational goal, but not a realistic one. I think because there's so much money in Formula One, unfortunately, the teams just don't have the luxury to not put as much effort as possible into the car every year. They may decide to pivot to the next year's car early, absolutely. Um, but I think 
they still have to give it the good old college try really for at least, you know, the first five to six months um, into the summer. And I think, you know, summer break and how teams come back from that, I think will will tell a lot. Yeah, that was, that's a, that's a fair point. I have a really good, a very fascinating insight as ever uh, from Sarah McKenzie Foley here on the Big Red Bench talking all things Formula 1 ahead of the Emily GP. Um, a favourite of this show, a name that refuses to go away, uh, even though he's not on the starting grid this year, is Daniel Riccardio. Why is he in the news uh, this week, Sarah? Yeah, so allegedly Helmut Marco, who is obviously a, a very important part of the Red Bull sort of ecosystem in Formula One, he has allegedly given Nick DeVries an ultimatum whereby if he does not improve his performances by the Belgium Grand Prix in Spa, then he's going to be replaced by Daniel Ricciardo. And again, this is a rumour. The F1 rumour mill spits out a lot of things on a regular basis, but you know, we did see Ricardo at the Miami Grand Prix and we do know that he is going to be driving a sort of a, a Pirelli test, essentially a tyre test during the summer in one of the Red Bull cars. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I don't personally think it's a good idea. I think Alpha Terry was essentially created as a junior team to feed young, talented drivers up into the Red Bull senior team essentially and by putting a driver that graduated from that team 10 years ago in 2013-14 back into a seat in that team I just don't think it makes sense now obviously the bottom line is the bottom line for Red Bull and its results so if that's the way they want to do it then that's fair enough but I just it just doesn't make sense for me as much as I would love to see him back. It just doesn't really make sense to me, I think, as a long term solution. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. And look, for somebody that's, you know, that we poke fun at quite a lot and like he's a smiley face and he's this and he's that, like, you know, it would be good. Formula One is a better place with uh, a competitive Daniel Ricciardo in it because he certainly has a certain amount of skill set. And I think with the right car and setup, he's shown what he can do. Um, if this isn't to be, then maybe it's worth waiting until something better comes along and more substantial, like you said. But we'll watch that very, very interestingly indeed. Finally, this week, two words got me very, very excited this week, Sarah McKenzie Foley, and they weren't Tottenham Hotspur, I can tell you, or Ferrari. Um, they were the words Andretti. And uh, they were the word right next to it, which is Cadillac. Why am I getting excited about those two words, Sarah? Yeah, so Andretti announced last year, kind of early 2022, that they were going to be submitting an application to create an Andretti Formula One team. And they were going to be partnering with Cadillac, obviously, you know, stalwart brand in uh, the American kind of motor industry. And they're going to be partnering with them from a powertrain perspective and actually Today, as we record this, is the deadline for submitting that application. So we'll actually know by the 30th of June whether or not that application has been accepted. They're targeting a 2025 start on the grid. And allegedly, uh, Andretti is is hedging his bets on a yes, because apparently he's already started building a team on the assumption that he is going to be given a yes on that application I, I wouldn't be super confident. There's actually been quite a mixed bag as far as reaction. Some of it actually quite negative from those at the top. So I think this one is really 50-50. It could go either way. But obviously, given the investment that Formula One is currently making and has been making in the US market over the last couple of years, 
you know, an all-American team with an all-American driver lineup, which is what Andretti has said he would like to create, is a pretty it's a pretty lucrative and a pretty tempting prospect, I would think, for the people that are, are tasked with making that decision. We got to keep those Netflix subscriptions coming in. I think Sarah is what's running through my head. But aside from that, without being smart about it, um, the <laughs> name Andretti, Mario Andretti, for people of a certain vintage like myself, don't you? There's what a driver, what a name. And to be associated, I think, look, General Motors, obviously behind the Cadillac, um, just, just even the thought of that, those names on the marquee and getting them into Formula One, I can see why people mm. would be very excited. But. Um, it's no good coming into Formula One and with the greatest respect to Haas if you're an American-backed company with such an important name in motoring away from Formula One. You cannot come in and be at the back of the grid. You just can't. And I understand the the, the, the reluctance perhaps on certain investors, yeah. but that is something we're going to... We'll know more about next week and we can talk about it uh, definitely because we'll know by then, as we said, this podcast being recorded before the deadline uh, actually passes to see uh, if Andretti will actually make that uh, formal application to join in 2025, if not 2024. Um, all eyes will be on Emily this coming weekend, uh, Sunday 21st of May, 2 o'clock, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. I know I'm mangling that. At the Autodrama Enzo Di Dino Ferrari, uh, world famous, uh, of course, on the Formula One circuit, promises to be another exciting weekend, probably one that ends with Red Bull winning, but we'll see. And we will review all of it, uh, all the headlines on and off the track on next week's show here on the Big Red Bench with our resident expert as ever, Sarah McKenzie Foley. But in the meantime, Sarah, where can people find your latest uh, motorsport uh, social media posts? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at MacTweets underscore. And as we spoke with earlier, the kind of AlphaTauri driver roulette, I actually have a video on that up on my channel, which goes into more detail. So you'll find me on YouTube at Sarah McKenzie F1. Excellent stuff. We'll talk next week, Sarah. Thanks for your time. Thanks, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Monster Hockey Piero Graham Catchpole rejoins me on this week's Big Red Bench to recap the latest Monster Women's Hockey, Monster Division 1, EY League, Schools, Interpros and International News. Plus, we take a look ahead to upcoming women's hockey fixtures. Now, we've come to the end of what has been a long and an unbelievably successful season for Monster Women's Hockey, right from schools uh, up to club, interpro and international level here on the Big Red Bench and Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench throughout the year and season. Uh, thanks to Graham Catchboard for Monster Women's Hockey's input. We've had updates, scores, fixtures, results, and of course, the goal scorers, uh, t- t- top of the table goal scorers, which was the most interesting thing for a lot of listeners. But we've come to the end and we've come to the end with the main uh, event of the the end of the season, which was the big awards night for Monster Women's Hockey. So I'm delighted to welcome Graham Catchwall back to the Big Red Bench to talk about those, that awards night and all the key winners. Graham, how are you? Very good, Jaron. Thanks for having us throughout the season. It's been superb. Yes, it's been really entertaining. It's something I've really enjoyed. And uh, the feedback that we've gotten on the Big Red Bench, certainly from hockey circles, has been very positive. And we would look to expand that next season again and keep keep the keep the positive word out there because it's a sport on the rise. And certainly for young girls throughout the province, not just in Cork, uh, throughout the province, it is uh, certainly a sport, I think, that it deserves the, uh, the attention that it gets. And hopefully we can improve on that next year. So whether you like it or not, you're signed up for next year, Graham, is what I'm basically saying. 
<laughs> no, that, that, that's great, Sharon. No, great to hear that now. Right. The awards night, a very, very important night for the Munster Women's Hockey uh, Association, for the committee, and certainly for the winners. And we start with one of the big winners on the night, was the Under-18 Girls Player of the Year. And the reason we start there, Graham, is because we spoke to her last week. Cork Harlequins, top Munster Women's Hockey goal scorer this year, the fantastic Beth Ann O'Farrell, and a, a lovely accolade and a deserved one, I think, for the Under-18 Player of the Year. Absolutely, and, and a brilliant interview last week with, with Beth Ann on the show. So uh, well done on, on that, and well done to Beth for, uh, for a super uh, super interview. I think um, a richly deserved award for, for Beth Ann. A fantastic season with Harlequins, uh, taking a cup in the league and, and doing very, very well in EY, EY2 as well. Unfortunately, maybe not to, to snatch that EY1 place, but I'm sure she'll be back next year. Um, banging in the goals again so um, well done to Beth Ann and uh, commiserations to the other other uh, players involved but uh, it was a very close call but mm. I think uh, you know it deserved a winner at the end of the day I agree with you 100% and yeah to each of those nominees for all of these awards actually but especially the under 18 girls and the women's awards there's so many players you could have chosen from it just shows you the quality and the depth of talent throughout Munster right now the under 18 boys player of the year uh, Sam Dale and Rob Alden are names I am familiar with uh, from my corner of the world but they are the winners of the under 18 player of the year why is that Graham? Yeah on the boys side it was it was again a very very close call um, I suppose when we looked at it um, it, it, it really was nothing between the two players, both players, you know, representing their clubs very strongly this year at a senior level, despite their age and, and, and both both lads also involved then in the, um, I suppose, in the in, in the Irish setups as well, and very prominent in the under-16s and under-18 mm. under setups. So, you know, two lads that are definitely, you know, have, have, have some very strong years ahead of them and hopefully uh, we'll go on to, to, to bigger and better things and hopefully make Irish senior squads in the in the future. Yeah, well done to both of those. There are names that I've seen cropped up quite a lot of headlines throughout the year, both uh, through social media and certainly in the newspapers as well. Well done to them. Now, the Women's Senior Player of the Year, a worthy recipient here again in Michelle Barry Graham. Yeah, Beth Ann O'Farrell's uh, teammate, Michelle Barry, who is a few years her senior. She won't mind me saying that, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, and you had uh, Michelle on the, the show not too long ago as well. Uh, look, a, a fantastic season for, for Michelle, I suppose, really stepping up to the plate, I think, uh, you know, and, and, and showing a leadership role this year in, in, in Cork Harlequin's, uh, you know, victory of, of the Munster Senior League in particular. So, uh, look, another richly deserved uh, award winner. Um, and again, uh, will be a driving force, I'm sure, for for Quinns uh, for three years to come. Absolutely. Congratulations to Michelle. We had some great fun talking to her when she was on uh, the big red bench with us. But uh, Women's Senior Player of the Year and well done to her. And again, proof positive of what a fantastic season it's been for Cork Harlequins, as you said, Graham. Now, one of the most keenly contested uh I would imagine it was a titles on the night was the men's senior player of the year, but Julian Dale took the accolade. Yeah, Julian Dale has had a, a great season, I suppose, returning from from Dublin at the start of the season uh, back to his his native uh, Harlequins. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, an astounding number of goals uh, scored this year, forty two goals in, in in total across competitions, uh, driving force in in Harlequins, uh, winning back the the Munster Senior title for the first time in a, in a good number of years. Uh, so you know, it's it, nice to see as well. You know, the the both brothers Sam and Julian, I suppose, mm. um, taking uh, taking the, the the awards on the night as well. So 
well done to the Dale family. Indeed, well done to both of them. Um, one of the most important awards, and I say this because I understand now from going to hockey matches and seeing it and, and reading and hearing about it, like the role of the umpire never before, like like most sports are struggling to find referees, Graham, as you know, outside of hockey, most sports are struggling to recruit new, younger referees uh, coming through the ranks. So it's important that umpires, specifically umpires when it comes to hockey, are recognised for all the hard work and time and effort that they put in. And we have an umpire of the year. Yeah, so Gary O'Connor took uh, umpire of the year. He he actually won developing umpire of the year not too long ago. So good to see him uh, coming through. And and I suppose um, you know I, I would always say you know encourage anybody to give umpiring a try. You know there is a, a there's always a shortage of umpires. You know um, it is the mm. same across all sports as this age are. Um, but there's actually a, a very clear pathway, I suppose, for for umpires, and I think in a short space of time, Gary has uh, has managed to propel himself and has actually umpired at international level already, which is you know incredibly uh, impressive. Given he's probably been only umpiring a couple of, a couple of years, but um, yeah, he's he's had a great season, I suppose, umpiring you know at the top level um, of, of of Irish competition, both men's and women's games. So great to see that development and 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 that um, I suppose progression. Uh, over the over the last season and, and richly deserved the award. Yeah, a lovely story and again, proof positive for anybody involved in hockey, as you said, or anybody interested or thinking about it, get in touch with your local club, they have all the information for you, but it is a rewarding role, uh, specifically in hockey as well, and there's a pathway as we've seen there from Gary, and look how far he's gone in a short period of time. Well done to Gary O'Connor, umpire of the year. Now, the coaches of the year are Yvonne O'Byrne and Gary O'Connor. Can you tell us why, Graham? Yeah, I think you know when, when what it boils down to at the end of the day, Jar is, is Munster don't win that many interpro titles, mm. um, and uh, when they do, it needs to be recognised. And I think the the amount of time, effort, uh, and I suppose travel and everything that goes into running a Munster interpro side, it, it you know it, it's a massive commitment. Um, and to be successful then against the likes of Leinster and Ulster, who have I suppose bigger programs, bigger pool of players. Um, it's an incredible achievement. So uh, Gary with the under under 16 boys, I suppose, were, were successful in Interpros. And Yvonne Byrne with the, the underaging girls, both taking Interpro titles this year. So it had to be recognised and, uh, you know, well done to both of them on a fantastic year coaching them. Yeah, good luck to both of them. And as you said, it's very, very competitive in Interpro and Munster's results. But performances have always been solid, but results may not have always followed. But they certainly have this year and it's something to build on heading into 2024. So good on them. Well done to both of those. Now, I'm delighted to see the following names come up here for the Youth Development Award. And the reason I'm delighted is that Ennis Hockey Club and Nina Hockey Club, to me, wouldn't be names that I would normally hear an awful lot about now. Granted, we're based in Cork here on Corkshire FM, but in Munster women's hockey circles, the development of clubs like Ennis and Nina and seeing them grow and seeing them attract new players and seeing them become forces even at underage over time, these are worthy winners of the Youth Development Award, I would imagine, Graham. Absolutely. And ordinarily, this award probably goes to individuals who, within existing clubs, have, have mm. you know excelled this year or put in massive time and effort. Uh, but I think with 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 the emergence of you know a lot of uh, rural clubs, I suppose in, in in areas where you know hockey wouldn't have been played all that much, um, it, this this is you know 
rightly so recognition I suppose for 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 Nina and and Ennis so you know superb to see them come through and I know there's a couple of individuals involved in in both clubs um that that have been you know the, the driving force but we felt that I suppose you know the, these awards would be given to the clubs themselves and all the efforts that have been going on there so fantastic to see the game growing I suppose beyond maybe the the mm. nucleus uh, of, of, of of areas like Cork and and, and Limerick so brilliant to see yeah, and that's very well said. I mean, this is the thing uh, for for years and years. The clubs that you would associate in Cork and Limerick, and I know for myself, and just reading about them, the names are instantly recognisable. But just like Munster Women's Rugby, just like other sports, all of a sudden you're seeing Ennis, you're seeing Nina, you're seeing new areas. School is getting involved in hockey, and it's having a big effect. And that's a that's fantastic to see that the Youth Development Award has gone to two clubs this year. I think it's a very good thing to do and a very positive move. So well done, Ennis Hockey Club, and well done, Nina Hockey Club, on those awards. Now, Volunteer of the Year. I mean. There's so many people that are up for this award. There are so many people in every single club, specifically when it comes to hockey, essentially behind the scenes who do so much work in every single club, as I said, throughout Munster. But why has Derek Brown uh, received this year's accolade? Yeah, I, I, this is a this is an award I suppose has gone to someone who who's kind of go, gone above and beyond in the past. Sometimes it's gone to representatives on the on the branch itself. Um, Derek is actually the the husband of um, of of one of our branch members, um, Alice Brown, and um, uh, Alice drags uh, I'd say Derek around to to every single hockey event that she goes, to, and she goes to a lot of hockey events, <laughs> and and Derek is always that willing volunteer that you know, takes the gate or, you know, uh, organizes, uh, you know, the, the sideline or whatever it might be. Um, Derek is always there and he's been doing it for years and years and probably not got the recognition. And as you know, it's, it's almost presumed that, you know, if Alice is going to a game, Derek is going to be there to kind of help out. So uh, this is long overdue recognition for Derek and the role that he's played um, and richly deserved because he, he always puts his hand up, whether whether he knows he's putting his hands up or, or not, he's putting his hand up for everything. So it's great to see it and, uh, you know, well done to Derek. Yeah, that sounds like it's very well a very well-deserved award. So congratulations, Derek. <laughs> and here's the many more years of uh, reluctant, if not, uh, if not dedicated, volunteerism. You've done a fantastic job thus far. We finish our award segment uh, with two very special merit awards. And the fact that there's two very special special merit awards for two very important people, Potty Hartnett and Sharon Hutchinson. Tell us about those, Graham, and why they received those awards. Yeah, I suppose for, for Potty Hartnett, it, it is in recognition of, of his contribution to Munster Hockey overall, but also most recently, I suppose, his contribution to UCC Hockey. So Potty Hartnett was the development officer in, in UCC for nearly the past 15 years or so and has put so much time and effort into, I suppose, the running and development of players that go through UCC. And you're talking about, you know, organizing, you know, the guts of between, you know, nine and 10 teams every single year. So um, as you can imagine, there's an awful lot of work goes into that. And, and Paddy has been there through that. And, you know, they've seen huge success with the, with the, with the men in the past and now it's seen more success with the women. Um, and uh, you know all that goes back to, to to the work I suppose that, that Paddy has put in. Paddy is uh, is retiring from the role this year, so we thought it was fitting for for him to be to be awarded a, a special merit on on that retirement. And he would have also got one at the the UCC Sports Award recently. 
um, in recognition of, of all his efforts over the years. So well done to him. Um, and then Sharon Hutchinson, who's just been an absolute, uh, I suppose, uh, gem on the branch over the last couple of years. Um, she has put in a massive amount of effort, both at Munster level um, and, and, and Irish level as well, You know, getting involved in absolutely everything, always putting her hand up. Um, and again, it's just in recognition of, of all the work that she's put in, I suppose, over the years uh, involved with the branch. And hopefully she's not going too far and will, will no doubt be involved in future future uh, bits and pieces around the place. But just as she steps back from the branch at the moment, we thought fitting to, to award this to her. Yeah, and congratulations, not just to those two special merit awards. You've, you've articulated very very well there why those two individuals, uh, Potty Hart and Sharon Hutchinson, are held in such high esteem. But congratulations to everybody uh, that on the night at the awards night that, that received their awards and also to the teams um, and various clubs that were present. We haven't really got time to go through every single one of them, but it looked like a very, very successful night. It came across very well on social media as well. Um, and fantastic to see so many... Um, award winners at the end of what's been a long and fruitful season. We finished this week's segment Graham with news of Irish representation for Munster women's hockey players at under 16, under 18, under 21 and under 23 level. Who are the names uh, that have been called up for the Irish international hockey squads? Yeah, so I suppose as as, as folks um, seasons uh, wind down now, it, it you know the international scene really takes over for the for the summer period with um with international tournaments throughout Europe. I suppose um happening over the over the over the summer months. So it'll be a busy period for for a good number of our monster players. We would we would like to see more monster players on uh, Irish representative, but we we won't go down that road on this uh, podcast. Or, Maybe another uh, time. Yeah, I I understand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, at under sixteen level Kay Collins, Amy Noonan and uh, Katie Toomey have been called up. Um, at under 18 level Ava Curran, Sarah Fitzgerald and uh, Anya Power have been called up. Uh, at under 21 level we have uh, Aideen Collins, Lauren Cripps and Robin Murphy and um, lastly but not least uh, at under 23 level um, Anna Horan has been called up and we also have our, our senior ladies you know Naomi Carroll and, and Roisin Upton and, and Cueva Pardue who will be involved throughout the summer as they look to um, ramp up um, I suppose uh, for the, the qualification for the Olympics next year so you know a very very busy summer I suppose ahead for, for, for these girls that are involved and um, you know wishing them all the best as they're you know, cast across uh, Europe for different tournaments and, and matches. Yeah, look, it's it's fantastic to see that amount of uh, of names from Munster Women's Hockey represented. As you said, it's going to be a very busy summer across the Irish. We would like to see a lot more, and maybe there should have been, and this is my own personal opinion, a lot more players involved. But look, it is what it is for now. And, and to those players that are going ahead to represent their country, we're going to keep tabs on them throughout the summer here on the big red bench as well. And we might even get to talk to one or two of them as well. Who knows? Um, it's been a long season, Graham. It's been a fantastic season. It's been exciting right up to the final weekends of the EY1 EY1. Y2, the Munster Women's Division 1 Hockey League. We've had goal scorers, we've had results, we've had loads of interviews. On behalf of everyone here at Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench, thank you so much uh, for all your information and your, your time and your knowledge um, to help spread the good word about Munster Women's Hockey. And I know it won't be long before we're talking again because that new season will be coming around the corner very quickly. Absolutely, Joe. Really looking forward to it. And just to say, from from the Monster Hockey community, I suppose thank you for putting us on the on the podcast as a regular, um, a regular, um, I suppose, uh, almost, uh, I suppose, uh, expert. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I know it's been a brilliant season. So, so a huge thanks to to you and the team there. I, I put the podcast together. Um, hopefully, we've managed to drive the listener, listenership up. Um, and looking forward to to next season already. Excellent stuff. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you very much.
Thank you very much. The Big Red Vet. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to offer us her expert opinion on all things rugby and review all the latest provincial, clubs, schools and adult results, scorers and upcoming fixtures. Plus, we have all the latest Munster Rugby and International Rugby news making the headlines. Now, that time of the week again here on the Big Red Bench where we talk about all things Munster Women's Rugby and there's only one person to have on in that instance and that is the current Munster Women's Rugby chairperson, Wendy Keenan. And I say current because, sadly, after a fantastic five years in the role uh, where she has uh, certainly raised the profile of Munster Women's Rugby on our behalf here on Corkshire FM Big Red Bench, but throughout the province and beyond, um, your term of office is come to an end uh, Wendy five years is a long time in politics how long is it in the in Munster Women's Rugby Committee for terms you know well, it is five years I mean when I started office was with no committee so um yeah my term is up um uh so by the time this goes live there'll be a new chair in place and look that's good you know new energy new ideas you know um I suppose when you take up any office on any committee you want to hand it on in a better place I suppose and with some improvements and some developments and I think we've done a lot in Munster. I think we're going the right direction. So, um, yeah, time for me to take a step back and uh, start enjoying the matches. Well, congratulations. I mean, it seems so pity to say it after five years. I know the amount of work and time and effort you put into this role and people in rugby also know. Um, congratulations on a fantastic five years. The good news for the Big Red Bench is that you're not going too far away from us, that we'll still be able to call upon you week after week. We hope for uh, all the best in Munster women's rugby coverage. Yeah, I'd be delighted to stay on and, and keep people up to date and, uh, you know, uh, give our views in, re- in relation to the direction things are going. So we'll have a little continuity that way. So, um, yeah, look, it's great. I'll be able to go to matches now and take a back seat and, you know, um, you know, so and do lots of shouting, which I haven't been doing for five years. <laughs> Very good. Well, congratulations and well done on a five-year term. Um, we're here to talk about a lot of a uh, lot of topics this week, a lot to get through, but a very, very positive topic to start on, and that is the Irish Women's Sevens qualifying for the 2024 Olympics. Fantastic news for women's rugby in general, Wendy, uh, just past week. What a way to start the week. I mean, just to wake up to, you know what I mean, that match against Fiji. So they're off to the 2024 Olympics. You know, if you look at their social media, they talk about dreams come true, um, like a historic win for them over Fiji and Toulouse. You know, it was a winner-takes-all match. And look, we, we'll have to claim her. Amy Lee, a referee crow, scored two tries. You know, she's our monster girl from TIP. Um, those two tries scored in the first half. Um, Fiji responded with one try of their own. But imagine no tries in the second half. Um, and if you watch that match, and it's worth watching, actually, if anybody hasn't done it, you'll pick it up on YouTube. Mm. They were out on their feet going end-to-end stuff. You know, they were ranked fifth going into the into the World Series. We knew that the top four qualifying um, for Paris, France's hosts were, were guaranteed one of those spots. So they... Look, they had a fantastic win over France to set them up and um, they're off to Paris. And I just love their social media in the last couple of hours um, to see them singing and dancing and celebrating and even on the plane trying to get some sleep, you know, and champions need some sleep too is their tagline there. So, yeah, fantastic news. Yes, and badly needed a good injection of positivity for Munster Irish women's rugby in general. But um, for those who haven't already seen it, as you said, uh, when you can find those online, certainly on YouTube, that fantastic uh, 10-5 victory over Fiji, um, having Bodo, I mean, lost Australia 17-7 at the quarterfinal stage with that performance, as you said, out in their feet right near the end of it. And this year's, uh, sorry, the Olympic Rugby Sevens competition will run from the 24th to the 30th of July 2024 at the Stade de France in Paris. 
what an occasion that's going to be for those individuals who got Ireland there. It's a real, real achievement and um, big boost as well for rugby uh, at that time of the year when there won't be much happening, Wendy, as well. It'll be an even bigger boost. Yeah. And, and look, it's come at a really important time. You know, mm. we've been on a bit of a low since the Six Nations and um, with everything that's happened there. And now, you know, they're looking for a new coach. But, you know, it's probably just what we needed at the right time. Mm. And, you know, we talk about the players um, um, to see all the family and friends that they'd out there supporting them at that tournament. Um, actually, my favourite photograph is the one with them, with all the people that were supporting them. So, um, yeah, let's let's get to Paris. Exactly. Good on them and good on Alan Temple-Jones aside for, for getting there and something to look forward to next year and something we're going to be covering, no doubt, as well. Now we move on to more domestic matters and news of appointees to new provincial hubs. Yeah, so we've been talking about this, of course, for the last couple of weeks, but our mouths were sealed. We weren't allowed to say anything. So now that it was officially announced, um, it's great. Neil Brigg will be the new talent coach based in Munster and Lorna Barry will be at the athletic performance coach. At the moment, they'll be based in University of Limerick. But there are negotiations going on with UCC um, and I'm sure they'll progress um, pretty rapidly. So they'll be splitting their time between the two locations. So, um, yeah, new pathways, new, you know, high performance units in each of the provinces. Just a great step forward. You know, we want to hold on to our players in the provinces and not see them migrate to Dublin um, to get the expertise so that now that we have it in the provinces, hopefully that will help. Um, I certainly think the two names that you've mentioned there will help. I think the prestige and, and the how highly they're regarded within rugby circles, Wendy, that, that's the key thing here. Yeah, I mean, a huge amount of experience coming from the two girls um, involved and, um, you know, very respected in rugby circles. So, um, look, our young girls now are going to get, you know, the expertise coming through and, you know, all the developments that we've had, you know, from between the Interpros, 18 and a half, 18s, to the Irish now those girls on those national talent um, ID programmes can see that there's a pathway within the province and that's really important for them. Certainly is. And we've spoken at length about pathways and the importance of them, as you've mentioned throughout uh, this year on the Big Red Bench. And it's fantastic now that at the apex or at the top of that to have those two names there and have for anyone, a young aspiring player to see that the pathway not alone is there, but that there's quality coaches and people in place to get them onto that next step and get them into the international fold. That's what it's all about for those that are interested in going that way. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's two aspects of this. We talk about the players all the time, but for Neil Briggs, mm. you know, who has, you know, dreamt, slept, you know, even at rugby, here she is now taking on a professional role, you know what I mean, with the IRFU. So, you know, huge congratulations to herself and Lorna in that because, you know, not everybody ends up, you know what I mean, uh, following the dream from a player to a coach and into a professional aspect of the game. So um, that's that's great for the province as well. Certainly is. Right. Divisional Cup final involving Kerry and UL Bowes. What can you tell us about this? Oh, yeah. So we played that last Sunday week. It was the final match of uh, the season, quite a long season. But uh, we all headed down to Chile for a wonderful final between Kerry and UL Bowes seconds in the Divisional Cup final. Um, a, a blustery day down in Kerry, uh, as we probably expect. But Kerry got off to a, a phenomenal start and uh, two converted tries very early on and they were uh, 14 points ahead very, very quickly. But um, they were playing uh, with the wind in the second half but didn't kick the ball. We were very surprised. UL Bowles fought back with another two tries. It was nip and tuck. Kerry scored. Then UL Bowles scored. Then Kerry scored again and UL Bowles scored. Four tries apiece with eight, eight tries in the game. But Kerry had the conversions and they won the match. So they were absolutely thrilled to finish off their season with a big win. And for, with the greatest respect to UL Bowes, which is an established name in uh, in Monster Women's Rugby, the importance for somebody like Kerry 
to get that trophy, to get that silverware and to hold that momentum going to next season? How important is it for, you know, names that we don't normally associate at this level winning like that? How important is it, Wendy? It is really important. I, I mean, I'm speaking to the UL Bowes coach afterwards and I said, you know, sometimes it's nice to share the love. Um, so, you know, we, we like to see the trophies going in different directions. Huge support for Kerry, you know what I mean, um, and in, down in Tralee. And uh, it is really important to a lot of young girls on the sideline, you know what I mean, that so that they can see the successes um, and that'll drive them on with their, you know what I mean, recruiting now for the next couple of months so that they'll set them up, you know what I mean, and, and pick up the bar where they finished off the season. You know, we know next season we're going to be back to our Division 1 and Division 2 will be gone from our conferences. Mm. So it sets them up and tees them up nicely now for um, Division 1 for next season. It certainly does. Well done to everybody associated with carrying commiserations to UL Bowes following that Divisional Cup final. Now, I've noticed a lot of chatter. You were talking about social media, but news of the uh, the Sevens Interpros has been across a lot of clubs and a lot of provinces, social media channels, a lot of excitement with uh, girls being named on the teams. What can you tell us about it? Yes, well, look, we're defending champs from last year, but um, the under-16 and under-18 girls, sevens into pros, kicked off last weekend. Um, it's a two-weekend series um, with the final replayed on, on Saturday. So two teams from each of the provinces, 12 uh, girls in each of the squads. So six games across two weekends. And to look at it in total, you have 192 girls from each of the provinces in action, you know, for the two weekends. So it's, it's, it's fantastic. But I just want to give an interesting statistic because, you know, we're a great driver of the schools rugby and that has been a big winner for us uh, this season. Six of the girls who played in the Junior Cup final between St. Anne's and Colosh Eda from Kerry are in those squads uh, playing last weekend and, and going on to wow. play this weekend. So we wish all of them the very best of luck. And look, it'd be lovely to re- retain the, the trophy, but whether or which, you know what I mean, they've been training for the past couple of weeks. Sevens is very different to 14s, mm. you know, and uh, they seem to be having lots of fun. And we see Saskia Witchley there as captain of one of the teams, you know what I mean? So she's having a superb season. Excellent and well done again. A good initiative, as you said. It keeps it keeps a lot of players involved with squads and on the fringes of squads involved, and gives them an opportunity at sevens to show what they can do. And as you said, over two weekends, I think it's a very sensible thing. One hundred ninety-two players. I mean, that's just fantastic. And even at this time of the year, to still be involved and it just shows the commitment levels of girls. And it's coming from the pathway. It's coming from the schools, and it's now coming into the interpros at sevens and at full fifteen aside as well. So that is fantastic. And I think that this is. Yeah, it's really important that we highlight that because mm. if we looked at that Kalosh to either team from Kerry, there was only one of the girls on that squad in that final was a member of, of the local rugby club. Okay. None of the other girls, imagine, played club rugby when they went to, to the Junior Cup final this year. So, um, you know, skills are transferable, I keep saying it. You do. It's it's one of your many one of your many sayings, uh, Wendy, on, here on the Big Red Bench. We love them. And always making sure we put rugby first and foremost. Finally, this season is over, or is it? Because we now seem to, we have news of a season plan for next season. You know, it, it's funny when people say we started about talking about season plans. We haven't even had our AGM, but um, I was talking, even talking to Neil Briggs down in Kerry at that final. Of course, she was uh, on the sideline with UL Bowes. And uh, I was saying, Neil, what about a holiday? And she said, holiday? Interpro training is starting in four weeks, Wendy, for the next Interpros. But yeah, imagine we've already discussing and working on the season plan for next year. There's been a lot of, I suppose, negotiation between the provinces and um, and the clubs. We know now that the WAIL will go to a nine-team home and away um, league. We know that we'll have two Irish combined provinces teams playing in, in next year. 
Um, we know in Munster that we'll have a Division 1 and Division 2 and there's a lot of work being done in the past, in, I suppose over the last couple of weeks, meeting with the other provinces so that we will have common reg- regs um, across all our Division 1s. So we go on to the Irish Junior Cup and we go on to, remember we're going into promotion and relegation now in the WAIL. The provinces from D- Division 1 will all have the same regulations. And then we have lots going on with all our leagues and all our cups and all of that. So they all are to be fitted in in around the Interpros, which will kick off in August, both for our seniors and our, our under-18s. And then we have to factor in Six Nations for both sets, for the under-18s and the seniors and the Irish Combined Provinces now as well, um, because that is going to pull more players from the league. So there is lots of uh, jigsaw work going on. Is that the way I describe it, I think? I think that's a brilliant way to describe it, but mother of God, what a size of a jigsaw you've got in your hands. But isn't it fantastic that we're talking about trying to fit in so much around Munster, around women's rugby, not just Munster rugby. Um, and I think that's the key thing here, the growth continues the up the curve keeps going upwards uh, Wendy more and more girls are looking to play rugby at schools at clubs they want to get into that inter-pro pathway they want to see what they can do um, and this is this is a really positive positive time for most women's rugby yeah if, if we didn't have I suppose the level of engagement from the clubs the number mm. of players we wouldn't know where we'd be in September and we would not be able to do a season plan now that we can plan ahead this far in advance is really important. So, you know, in early August, we want to get our season plans out to the clubs. So if you're a coach or a manager, mm. you can plan your year, you know, to mean, what weekends you've off, what weekends you can book your holidays. They're really important, you know, and, um, you know, and, and people come to a framework in place. Of course, at the moment, we've all the give it a tries going on. So uh, the season isn't quite over. They have another couple of weeks to go and, um, but yeah, look, it's it's really down to the work that's been done in the clubs. You know, the volunteers in the ground, they're the people recruiting, you know, week in, week out, growing their numbers. And as a result, we're able to plan ahead. And that's that's a real plus for us. It certainly is. And it's a positive way to end this week's uh, Munster Women's Rugby segment for the final time with Munster Women's Rugby chairperson Wendy Keenan, but not the last time we're going to be talking to you on the Big Red Bench. It's been a fantastic uh, run as chairperson once again from everybody, Corkshire FM, Big Red Bench. Thank you for the Trojan work you've done off the field. I know I've seen uh, the work that you've done and your committee as well. You'll be the first to say that your committee are as as hardworking as yourself. Um, It's starting to bear fruit in big time because look at the number of girls playing rugby, look at the number of things that are happening and we're talking about it we're podcasting about it it's in the press it's in the media and it's growing 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 and that is down to yourself and all those volunteers that you mentioned so well done on a fantastic season that isn't even over yet and we still have lots to talk about and it won't be long before we're talking about the new season but we wouldn't have it any other way thanks a million Ger. miss the show grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie corks red fm on Sunday, the 21st of May at 12 noon in Cusick Park in Ennis, Kerry will take on Cork in the Munster Intermediate Camogie Championship final. This game will be the curtain raiser to the Munster Senior Hurling Championship clash between Cork and Clare, which throws in at 2pm. Uh, earlier in the week, I caught up with the Cork Intermediate manager, Trevor Coleman, to talk about the game against Kerry and Cork's upcoming All-Ireland Championship Series. And here is the Cork Intermediate Camogie panel that will line out in the Munster Intermediate Camogie Championship final on Sunday, the 21st of May. Yvine Kidney, Aoife O'Callaghan, Aoife Walsh, Ashling Maloney, Avril Cashman, Quiva Buckley, Kira Golden, Kira Hurley, Kira Ring, Claudia Keane, Cleana Dooley, Cleana O'Callaghan, Cleana O'Leary, Emily O'Donovan, Emma Flanagan, Fiona Nelligan, Isabel Sheehan, Jenny Doyle, Laura Doyle, Laura Callan, Lauren Homan, Leah Hallahan, Leanne O'Sullivan, Lucy Allen, Maeve Ring, Neave O'Leary, Rachel Harty, Rose Murphy, Stephanie Bosa, 
Lang and Tara McCarthy. And as we said, the Cork Intermediates taking on Kerry in Cusick Park Ennis on Sunday at 12 noon in the Munster Intermediate Camogie Championship final. Here are the thoughts of the Cork Intermediate manager, Trevor Coleman. This Sunday at Cusick Park in Ennis, uh, all eyes will be on the Munster Senior Hurling Championship game between Cork and Clare, which throws in at 2pm. But the precursor to that and the curtain raiser is an equally important game. It's the Munster Intermediate Camogie Championship final between Kerry and Cork. And on the line is the Cork Intermediate Manager, Trevor Coleman, who joins us here on the Big Red Bench. Trevor, how are you? I'm good, i good. I'm looking forward to the, to the day ahead, I suppose, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, really. Big. First of all, it's a provincial final, so you and the Cork backroom team and the players obviously want to win it. Uh, it certainly won't be on paper. A lot of people might not realise that this Kerry team is improving and has been improving over some time. So this is a tough game and a tough day out for you. Yeah, to be fair, look, it'll probably be our toughest day today at Church. You know, look, we played Kerry last year in the Munster final as well. Again, probably started really slow, but finished well to win the game. But again, as we were saying earlier, we have a turnover 18 players and Kerry have won the Division 1 or two, 1B uh, league, which is a huge one that we couldn't actually win last year. So, Kerry definitely are coming as a team. And they have been for the last few years. So, look, we're going to take Manning for granted. We're going to play in Kerry uh, this weekend. We'll just treat them as another team. And it's another obstacle for us that we need to try and get over as fast as our journey this year. So, hopefully we can get over the line on Sunday. Yeah? Now, obviously, you want to win the game. You want to take a provincial title if you can, uh, heading into the All Ireland Championship. But the fact that they're going to, there's going to be an absolutely massive crowd there, if not at the start, definitely, but towards uh, the second half of that particular game, that's exciting for your players and for yourselves as well, Trevor. Yeah, it's huge. And we have the monster, uh, monster come over there. They've done all double headers this year with with the the lads game. So this is huge for the female sport and huge for all girls in particular. You know, and for players you're going into an All Ireland Championship, all these big games helps you to get over the nerves. Yes, look, it's going to be probably daunting at the start, but probably an empty stadium. will come half time in all games, the stadium will start to be filled up, and that's where the nerves come in. And hopefully. Look, a bit of experience might come through with a bit of experience we've around the place. But again, look, it's going to be no easy task going up there to be a carry. But again, this is where the goals want to be. This is where they, this is what they deserve. They put in the same amount of effort as the boys do. So again, they deserve to be up in these big stadiums and hopefully, look, the, the result will go away on Sunday. I'm speaking to Trevor Coleman, the Cork Intermediate Camogie Manager, ahead of this weekend's uh, in- Munster Intermediate Camogie Championship final between Cork and Kerry, which takes place in Cusick Park at Ennis with a 12 noon throw-in. Uh, Trevor, you've had a transitional time, I think it's fair to say, the amount of new players that have come in and players have moved up onto the senior panel. We've spoken about that before. How important has the time been over the last couple of weeks as you head towards the All-Ireland Championship, as you head now towards this Munster final? How important has it been to get all those new players that you've gotten in, time to bed in and train with them? Well, look, it's been huge. Look, to be fair, we, we've had a good league campaign. Winning becomes a habit. We were unbeaten in the league. We won the league final uh, after a replay against Kilkenny. So, I'm hoping all these big games will stand from uh, a draw game against Kilkenny. Win uh, the replay against Kilkenny. We played Waterford and Limerick in the last two weeks as well. They've seen us side. So, all these games hopefully will stand to us. And just that the general as a unit, we, we went away overnight there recently as well to try and get them... Uh, get them bonding together a bit more which which I think has helped usually so look at the end of the day we won't know till the end of the season how, how well we've done but look hopefully the uh, things seem to be going right and the goals seem to be enjoying it which is amazing 
Good to hear that. Now, um, irrespective of what happens in the Munster final this weekend, the following weekend, uh, May 27-28, you begin uh, your intermediate, uh, Glen Dimplex Intermediate All-Ireland Championship campaign. You're in Group 1 this year. You're away to Kildare, you're away to Kilkenny, and then you host Dublin and Galway in your final two group matches without going in, because I know you're, all your focus is on the Kerry game as it should be right now, but can I just put it to you that the fact that you've got two home games to finish that particular group, irrespective of who you're playing, and it is Dublin and Galway, is that a bonus for you in that, you know, it's easier to plan, it's at home, it'll probably be Castle Road, we don't know, it could be in, in, in it'll be in Cork, which is the main thing. But when yeah. you look at that on paper from a management, management team and from a logistics point of view, Trevor, is it a bonus to have those two home games to finish? Yeah, look, hopefully we won into it with four points and then the first two wins. We're looking in, like, Kildare, obviously, yeah, as everyone knows, is probably up in the air at the moment. Uh, their county board have pulled them out, yes. but look, whatever we can do and talk for them, and uh, as Morky players, Morky management and Morky players, we'd like to do whatever we can for Kildare, and hopefully that game will go ahead, because look, it's all about playing games at the end of the day, there's no point training all year and not being able to play matches, so hopefully Kildare will get their issues sorted, and we will be going up to play Kildare away. Kilkenny again is going to be another story. Look, we'll be going into time base Kilkenny for a fourth time, which is not going to be easy. Kilkenny people won't like being beat that much in one year by, by Cork especially, so that's going to be a huge game. And look, God forbid, if we did lose those first two, at least we've the last two at home, which you said, which hopefully could, could get us over the line. But look, we don't want to be going into those last two needing to win. We hope to get a certain amount of points on the away trips. But again, the two home trips... Will be will be huge for us. And look, I, I think at the moment Castleford is is close to be they're doing up the pitch at the moment. So we don't know yet whether that will be ready and available to us. But we're working on where we will be playing. You know. Um, just on that Kildare issue. Now this is an issue between the Kildare Camogie um, yeah. setup and the County Board. It's nothing to do with Cork because it's down for the twenty seventh, twenty eighth of May. You can't really do anything else other than prepare as if the game is going ahead. Yeah, 100%, John, and that's what we're doing. We're looking, we're hoping that the, the issues will be resolved, which they, they should. I know the GPA are involved at the moment as well. Look, I, look, it's, it's not easy. It wouldn't be easy for any county if we were involved in the same situation, but look, hopefully they can sort out the differences and, and the game will go ahead. Because look, all the goals want to do, whether it's Kildare, Cork, Kenny or Galway, all these goals want to do is play matches. They train to play matches, so hopefully those issues we put up to one side and we can uh, drive on with an all-over series with Kildare in it. And just finally, Trevor, all eyes obviously this weekend now uh, coming to the Munster Intermediate Camogie final with Kerry. It's going to be a big occasion for everybody involved, but uh, what kind of boost would winning that game give you heading into the All-Ireland Championship? I think it's huge and it's try to keep preaching and keep practicing winning becomes a habit so look we want to win every game we play even whether it's a challenge or whether it's a league or whether it's monster finals like we go and treat every game the same we treat it as we want to win it so it would be great to get over the line and look I think Cork Morgan probably needs that more I wouldn't say need it after winning the minor all over but again this is all going to help Cork Morgan within Cork so every time we go to and represent Cork we want to win so hopefully we can bring back the cup on Sunday you know on Sunday, the 21st of May in Cusick Park, Ennis, with a 12-noon throne, it is the 2023 Munster Intermediate Camogie Championship Final, Cork versus Kerry, the precursor to the senior game between Cork and Clare, which throws in at 2 o'clock. Trevor Coleman, Cork manager, on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench, we wish you all the best in that, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks a million, Doc. 
The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Right, it's been a very fruitful uh, couple of weeks for the Cork LGFA, both the uh, senior team and for the under-14s. JJDC's under-14s took on, having lost, remember, to Kerry in the Munster final in Mallow. They took part in the LGFA All-Ireland Platinum Series. So this was a quarter-final that took place against Dublin um, last weekend when Cork uh, took on the Dubs looking for a place to get into the semi-finals of that particular competition and they triumphed in that p- p- fantastic performance beating Dublin 3-10 to 7 points Sorcher O'Rourke got 2-4 Tamara Moynihan got a point Lily Foskin 2 points Quiva Foley 2 points Ava Collin got a point and Cleana Hart um, uh, got the other goal some of the standard performers on the day included Hayley Sweeney Hayley O'Shea Hannah DC, Ava Collin Kira O'Regan Lily Foskin and Sorcher O'Rourke but there was great impact from all the people that came on during that particular game a fantastic result for Cork and for JZTC as we said having lost the Munster final they came through the All-Ireland Round Robin series and that victory over Dublin has now set Cork into the Platinum All-Ireland that's the top ranked All-Ireland Under-14 Championship Series semi-finals where they will face Cavan and interestingly the other semi-final will be contested between Kildare and Mayo Kildare who defeated Kerry uh, as we mentioned there in their quarter final to get to the last four so interesting times ahead JJTC and the Cork under 14s congratulations on reaching the All-Ireland under 14 Platinum Championship Series semi-finals that game goes ahead on Saturday May 27th but the venue has yet to be confirmed but the Cork under 14 squad uh, that has reached the last four of this year's All-Ireland Championships remember they were beaten in last year's final by Kerry in Park hearing a huge crowd turn up and one of the games of the season so Cork and JJ JDC very anxious to try and get back there. They'll take on Cavan, as we said, in the upcoming semi-final. The winners of that game will meet either Kildare or Mayo in the All-Ireland Under-14 final. But let's just run through the Cork Under-14 panel that achieved that victory over Dublin. Uh, three, uh, three ten to seven points fantastic victory for Cork and they lined out as follows Orla McGrath Hayley Sweeney Darren O'Flaherty Maeve Buckley who was the captain Hannah DC, Anna Keller Hayley O'Shea Ava Collin Kira O'Regan Sarah Galvin Lily Foskin Sorcia O'Rourke Cleana Hart Sheila Oak Walsh and Ellen Motherway uh, Matilda Nilunig uh, Roisin Nilihan uh, Kate Hanrahan Gemma O'Sullivan Amy McCarthy Quiva Foley Orna Higgins Robin O'Mahony Sophie Duggan Louise Buckley McKernan Katie Crowley Ellie Lee Tamara Moyne and Carlo Regan and Fiona O'Connell and the management team this year for the Cork under 14s JJ DC is the manager with mentors um, Bernadette Sheehan Sean Ryan Miriam O'Connell Ianis O'Connell and Karen Casey who is the flow so well done to the Cork under 14s we're going to be previewing that um, All-Ireland Platinum semi-final with Cavan on next week's show but a fantastic result for Cork and as we said if they get over Cavan they'll meet either Kildare or Mayo in the All-Ireland cider now last weekend was a huge one for West Cork because for the first time ever a senior LGFA championship match took place in the Ahmilla Complex in Clannacilty. Cork qualified for the 2023 Munster LGFA Senior Football Championship final following a, convic- a convincing victory over Waterford, 210 to 4 points in front of a packed attendance with over 1,200 supporters. A first ever LGFA Senior Championship match that was staged in West Cork, delivered on the capacity crowd and a deserved Cork win. As we said, Cork will face Kerry now in this year's provincial final uh, next weekend and there the Rebels can expect a much tougher, t- tougher test than the one they got from Waterford who were uh, restricted to one point from open play. Fantastic uh, uh, defensive effort from Shane Renee inside but from 1 to 15 and from the people that 
came off the bench. Really, really impressive showing. None more so than uh, Mornabi's Laura Fitzgerald. Fantastic day for her because Fitzgerald came off the bench and scored 1-2 in nine minutes. And she's just, that was her return from a long-term injury. Fantastic to see Laura back out on the pitch. But it was a good day all around for Cork. As we said, they restricted Waterford to four points throughout uh, the afternoon. Lauren McGregor got three frees for Waterford and uh, one other point then from open play coming from Emma Murray as for Cork Laura Fitzgerald 1-2 Darren O'Sullivan got a cracking goal after three minutes Katie Quirk once again showing up in centre forward she got four points Orla Cahalan as well the dual player she uh, chipped in with two points and Anna Ryan and Libby Coppinger a point each but for the match itself uh, a big big success for everybody down in West Cork and in Clonakilty well done to everybody and a big day too for the Munster LGFA a successful day big crowd fantastic atmosphere ran like clockwork and uh, the desired result but uh, as we said Cork very very deserving victors over Waterford they go forward now to the Munster final against Kerry which is next weekend we'll be previewing that as well next week on the Big Red Bench um, after that match in Ahamela and Clonakilty I got a chance to speak to Laura Fitzgerald Melissa Duggan Orla Cahalan and Roisin Phelan Rory Noonan from the Echo spoke to, spoke to Waterford's manager Pat O'Neill and I also got a chance to catch up with Shane Renane who was a very very happy Cork manager but, but up first here's Laura Fitzgerald and the reaction from that fantastic Cork LGFA senior victory over Waterford in Clannacilty. Uh Laura Fitzgerald off the bench after such a long time out with injuries to score 1-2 in your comeback game the delight on your fellow teammates faces was one thing and the supporters as well you must be feeling delighted with that um, absolutely over the moon yeah I mean couldn't have asked for better um, for a championship debut after so long being injured um, put in a lot of hard work with Paul and Sinead behind the scenes so I'm absolutely over the moon and delighted to get the win now to get into a Munster final it's unbelievable the confidence boost just when you come on I would imagine after a long term injury you just don't want to get injured again so you're a bit tentative you didn't show any of that two points in two minutes and then that goal no but I mean on the sideline there before I came on Shane and Paul they just said you've all the hard work done so I mean kind of the, the, the pressure is off the shackles are thrown off I just had to go on and kind of play with a bit of ease and thankfully I did that yeah um, a lot of competition for places as it goes without saying with this particular group of players but you put your name in the hat now for that Munster final in two weeks time I, I'd like to think so yeah I mean whether about the first 15 to get in top 20 mm. and even the 30 match day panel it's the competition is phenomenal so the next few weeks will be seriously tough and very very interesting uh, Can I ask about the atmosphere and the crowd you played in front of as well today what a bonus that was Oh unbelievable unbelievable I really hope they come out for the Munster final now because um, every ball that was kicked I mean the crowd was behind us it was, it was a sensation yeah. Uh, you obviously want to be part of that. We don't know whether you'll be starting coming off the bench, but the fact that you're back now it must be a real, real, a real lift for your, just a lift for yourself personally because of what you've gone through. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, there was months there when I was doing nothing and just watching the girls putting, putting in uh, such hard work on the field. So I mean, to be part of it now, and as you said, hopefully my name is in the, the hat now for the next day. I'd, I'd love to be in contention for it. Um, so look, hopefully now the next day get another opportunity. But if not, I mean, happy with that. Okay. Well done, we're delighted for you. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks very much. Cheers. Okay, Melissa, fantastic result for Cork. Big crowd played in West Cork as somebody from the Donnings Club yourself. You must have enjoyed that. Yeah, um, it was a great occasion. Um, definitely, like, it was a privilege to come down here because I suppose we don't get any, if no, uh, you know, Cork games down in West Cork. And, you know, in fairness to Clannacilty, the grounds and everything were immaculate today. And um, I think the, su- the support that we got today was just incredible. You know, to see a full stand full of young people, old people, it, you know, a mix of people. It was just great to get the sport. And yeah, it was a huge honour to play in Clannacilty today. 
uh, your defence, you were part of the defence today, played really well. You play, you understand how good Waterford are, but you didn't give him a shot. You didn't give him a chance today to get going. You must be really pleased with that effort. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose we've been working both on our defensive and attacking um, side of things at training the last few weeks. Um, do you know we're coming together more as a unit, um, and you know with every training session we're getting better and better. Like there's still things to improve on from today. At times we were, I suppose, exposed a bit in the middle, but um, do you know there's always things to improve on. If there's a day where we can't improve, well, <laughs> that'd be a bad day, I think. So um, yeah. Um, Laura Fitzgerald is somebody you know from the Cork setup. Seeing her come off the bench and score one too, the delight in everyone's face afterwards. Real positive moment for her. Definitely, she's had a tough old time uh, with injury the last year, a year and a half. So it's great to see her coming off the bench and scoring one too. She's an incredible player. Um, do you know, and we've seen time and time again our bench has made such an impact. And you know, it's great to see girls coming on. They give you energy when you need it the most. You know, you you're tired, your legs are tired, but when you see them fighting for the ball you know you you want to fight for the ball with them as well so um, it's great to have that impact on the bench for sure and finally Kerry in two weeks time and uh, hopefully someday in the not too distant future back in West Cork again yeah definitely um, we have Kerry now in two weeks you know that's where we wanted to be especially after last week um, we felt we didn't do ourselves justice so it's great to be back in a monster final um, and to be playing Kerry again you know they're the top dogs so yeah. far this year and we want another crack of them and it's great you know it'd be great to have a, a, more few, a, a few more games down in Clonacilty they have a fabulous setup, and you can see today they cater for a big crowd and even for league and championship games you know I think it's a, something that we should be looked into for next year. Excellent stuff. We'll talk in two weeks' time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Orla Callan, congratulations. Good win for Cork here today. But first of all, uh, with your West Cork connections, what did it feel like playing in West Cork today? Oh, it was some atmosphere. Especially playing in a, a small, tight stadium like this. It was that you could really hear the crowd compared to last week in um, Parky Cueve. And it was obviously great to have a few of my family here from West Cork to support me. Yeah, quite a lot of Calans here as well today shouting you on. More importantly, you got the victory and you're into a, you're into a Munster final. Um, you really shut down Waterford from the start. Yeah, it's been something we've been working on now during the week to how to stop them and how to play our own game, obviously, as well. But it obviously worked out here today, so thank um, You're pleased to be starting. I know you've got quite a lot of commitments on the dual side of things, but you started today and you played really, really well. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I was I was obviously disappointed last week when I wasn't starting, but I think I did enough then to get on to the starting team, so I was happy with that. Quite a lot of competition for places this year, so it's not an easy thing to do. Definitely, yeah. Even in training this week, like there's still people pushing for positions, and the Munster final will be a different story. It could be a completely different team out again. And just finally, playing in front of such a huge crowd as well here today, a nice touch for everybody involved in the Cork Senior setup to get that kind of support. Yeah, it was great. Like it, the kids out here after the match, it, the atmosphere is something else. And um, yeah, it was great. So you'd like to come back, basically? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing West Cork. All the best in the Munster final. We'll talk to you again. Thanks very much, Orla. Thank you. Uh, Roisin Fielding, congratulations into a Munster final against Kerry. First of all, playing in front of such a big crowd today in West Cork. What was that like, as a from a player's point of view? Yeah, look, it's lovely to see such a big crowd out, um, particularly at the stage of the, it's the stage of the year, you know. Um, it's great to come down to West Cork and see such a big crowd here and see such all, all the young girls here. They're even copying our warm down, so if they keep doing things like that, hopefully they'll be injury-free for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really nice to see that underage sort of copy what you're doing. Can I ask you, your, your, your ankle is strapped, we don't know the extent yet, but it looked pretty painful fall. 
yeah, it was it was sore. Like, isn't there's a bit of a shock there? Hopefully, it's just a stinger and it's nothing serious. But we'll assess it during the week and go from there. Some defensive effort today to hold Waterford. You played Waterford enough times to know how good they are. To a single score from open play, that's real, real teamwork and good effort from all the entire defence and your goalkeeper. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, as in it's something that we're working on. We're trying to give them that opportunity to score from. Uh, we did a good job today, and hopefully, we can keep it up. Looking forward to facing Kerry in the Munster final in two weeks' time. Yeah, look, as in like the last the last match was a was a good was a good turnout. We'll hopefully get more support the next time we come out. Uh, if half the sport comes out here that came out today, then we'll be we'll be flying. Excellent stuff. We'll talk to you then. No Thanks, Had obviously disappointed with the results, but I suppose at times during the second half, they showed there's a lot to build on ahead of the championship in a few weeks. Yeah, look, there was a lot of goal chances we didn't take. Um, Cork were clinical in fairness to them when they got their chances, um, but overall, disappointing result. We came here with, with intentions of getting to Munster final and we haven't achieved that, so look, it's disappointing. Look, look, looking at the match itself, I suppose that early goal really was a bit of a killer blow, particularly against the wind, and maybe you were up against it from there. Yeah, it wasn't the start we needed. We, we probably needed to be scoring the goal ourselves along the other side. Especially in the first half, we didn't. I suppose our position was high, but our finishing was poor. And showed in the end, I think, overall position, we were well ahead, but we just wasn't clinical. We were carrying the ball into the outside of D, 21 yards out, but we were getting turned over in vital areas as well. And we were punished a lot from our turnovers today as well. This was Pat, like as you said, no, obviously the month of championships over. You've got an All-Ireland series. You have a few weeks now to prepare. No doubt they'll be ready when that comes around. Yeah, most definitely. Look, we, we, we've a, a big five weeks ahead now because we turn around in five weeks' time and potentially going to be playing Dublin or Mead and Armagh. So that's it. That's going to be a tough draw in, in their Ireland series. Whichever one of the three, then we'll be two of them three in the group. So we have to really have our homework done over the next five weeks and get back on the horse and be ready to go. Okay, Sharon. First, before we talk about the performance and the victory, and congratulations on reaching a Munster final. Talk to me about the occasion because bringing a big, high-profile game like this to West Cork, you don't know what it's going to be like in terms of a crowd. At least twelve hundred people here today shouting you on. Big difference for the girls. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I have to commend everybody here in West Cork. Um, you know, Van Ryan, chairperson of the club down here. Uh, it, just incredible the the crowd and the organisation and how welcome they made us feel. Um, you know, and it's it's certainly something we'll do again. I'd say, Jerry, you know, maybe for the league, the league games next year. Or, you know, we'll see what the, where, the, where the rest of the championship goes. But fantastic occasion. Um, always probably knew it would be but still to have that crowd behind us you know it was fantastic and look it's, uh, it's great to see all the younger players out there today and out there you know we were warming down there and all the young girls were mimicking what the girls were doing look that's fantastic they're their heroes and we're delighted to be able to bring it down here and I have to commend everybody in Clannacilty Clannacilty GA and everybody that's around the communities around here fantastic setup. Let's talk about the match. Firstly, some statistics. One point from open play, shutting down that Waterford attack. You must be delighted, not just with your goalkeeper, but your entire defence and team's effort to do that. Yeah, look, it's something we've, we've been really working on the last few weeks to up our tackle count and, um, you know, uh, and stop. stop like we, in the first two games, we conceded 1-14, 1-2-14. You know, the, we have a great attack, but you're, you're, the defence wins championships. That's the reality. And we're very, very happy with that. Like that first half, they only had three shots, may have had three kickouts, you know, and there were three points from free you know so very happy with that look there was a couple of ones in the second half they, you know, they had to come out and play and take us on but I thought our defence was, was outstanding the tackles went in and to be honest with you like we'd be very disappointed with the free count I thought a lot of the frees weren't frees at all for both sides not just ourselves you know it's senior football game you know we'd be disappointed with that with the, I think he was a bit whistle happy but looked you know I think that, that affected both sides but we're very very happy with our defence 
Laura Fitzgerald is a player you know very, very well. You've seen her come up through the ranks. You've, she's in the senior rank, inter-county ranks. She's been plagued by injuries. To come off the bench and score 1-2 and show some of her best form, you of all people must be extremely happy for that. see that. Absolutely delighted for her, Jory. You know, um, I suppose no one knows what she goes, had gone through there the last year. She was flying it last year, uh, last April. Uh, an awkward fall at training and destroyed her knee and when she came back playing from Warren Abbey she had, hadn't had the operation and she just rehabbed it but it just wasn't coming right so she had an operation before Christmas and has had to work so so hard to get back absolutely delighted for her and you know when you bring on Fitzy you know she gets a chance like a first two touches two points and um, you know a brilliant goal there near the end so look we're delighted for her and you could see by the reaction of, of all the squad after the game how much Fitzy means to all of us um, you know and I think you know you see players from all, every club going in to congratulate her a special moment for her and um, you know we're delighted and look again that impact off the bench is huge again today yeah. you know and I think that's, what's going to, that's what it's going to take for the rest of summer it's going to be a 20 player game for the rest of summer and again different players got on today different players started today we, we're building a good squad um, we're very happy where we are going we know we've work to do against for you know the next day to be, to be better against Kerry because we can't be relying on miraculous comebacks yeah. but uh, look job done today you're delighted with it um, you know as I said a very very good defensive performance as well Congratulations for seeing the Monster Final. Thanks very much, That's John. it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 p.m. on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.